chapter one, I went into the supermarket uh, the end of last week and discovered Christmas is on its way. <laughs> and I suppose that was in my mind when uh, thinking of coming to you this morning and Luke chapter one, time to explore and get ourselves ready for remembering again God's gift of his son. Luke chapter one. From verse 1, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. But you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Luke wrote his gospel so that Theophilus and others and us today may have that certainty in the things that he's going to tell us about the Lord Jesus Christ, that these are real events. They are part of history. We're reading about real people in real places and the work that God did in those days. And Luke wants Theophilus and us to have that certainty in that, that this is God's word and it's true. Verse 5, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years." Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent 
and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. And then we go down to verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosened and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came upon all the neighbors and all these things were talked about throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then shall this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. May God bless his word to us. We're going to sing our next hymn. It's 172 in Christ. Turn to Luke chapter 1. In verse 18, Zechariah asks the angel a question. How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And because he said those words, because he was doubting what the angel had said... 
We read in verse 20, the angel says to him, Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And then towards the end of the chapter, there's a debate about what the child will be called. And they ask the father. He wrote his name is John. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he spoke, blessing God. And in the story of Zechariah, we see a man who moves from doubt to faith. From the original doubt when God's word is brought to him to faith in which he is used of God to declare God's word. The first announcement then that Christmas was soon to take place was given in his own words to an old man. That's how he described himself, a priest. And this was around a year before Jesus was born. Luke has done his research, as he tells us in those opening verses. The gospel is not something that's been made up. It's not a philosophy of life. It's about events that actually happened, historical facts, real people in real places. Luke identifies who they were and when they lived. Verse 4, here's the when. It's in the days of Herod. And the where, well, he's king of Judea. That's where they were. And who? Well, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah and his wife from the daughter of Aaron, her name, Elizabeth. What sort of people were they? Luke tells us, verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. A godly couple. The sort of neighbors you would be pleased to have and to be part of your church. But their smiles and greetings hid a heartache. Verse 7, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. And Zechariah is chosen to serve in the temple in Jerusalem and offer the incense. A once-in-a-lifetime privilege. There were several thousand priests divided up into 24 different groups, and each division would have a turn to serve, and they would draw lots to see who got the privilege of going into the temple to offer incense. And the choice that day was made, and it fell to Zechariah. But this was no lucky chance. Proverbs tells us, The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. This was of God. God's time. But Zechariah was in the temple offering incense. They arrived. Zechariah goes there. He's met by godly people who are waiting outside. People who were waiting for the promised Messiah. People who would pray. They were there to support Zechariah in carrying out this duty. So they were outside praying. He was inside. And he took the opportunity to pray. He would have prayed for the nation. He would have prayed for the coming of a Messiah. And then he added a little prayer of his own. A prayer that he had prayed many times over many years. A prayer for a child. And there he was alone in the temple. But then he wasn't alone. 
There was someone with him. Verse 11, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Did you pray this morning or maybe last evening? Did you do as Jesus said? When you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who is in secret will reward you. And then you open your eyes. And there's an angel. How would you feel? Luke tells us uh, how Zechariah felt. Verse 12, Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. Fear fell upon him. There appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on his right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. An angel. Why is he here? Has he come to take me To heaven? Jesus, in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, says the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The angels quick to reassure Zechariah. Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer's been heard. Then the angel proceeds to tell him some good news. He's going to have a child. How did this godly believer who had served for many years as a priest respond to that good news? Well, he asks a question. Verse 18. How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. But this was not a good response. He's not just asking a question out of interest. There's doubt behind this question. And the angel says to him, verse 19, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. You see, Zechariah was looking at himself. I'm an old man, how can I do this? My wife, Elizabeth, she's been barren all these years. Zechariah was not looking at God. And what the angel does is remind Zechariah whose word it is. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And the angel's redirecting Zechariah away from himself, directing him afresh to God, and that's what we need when we come to pray. Well, behold, you will be silent Zechariah is told, unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Zechariah greeted the word of God with doubt. But why did he doubt? Well, we'll explore some possible reasons for his doubt and ask the question, how are we reacting to another Christmas on its way? And then we'll see, secondly, what God did about his doubt. How God brought him to faith and obedience. How God works in the life of a doubting believer. And every Christian, at times, will be challenged in their faith. And sometimes we, too, may find doubts creeping in. Doubt is not total unbelief. It's faith in two minds. Zechariah is a man of faith. We've been told that. 
But at this point, his faith is struggling to believe what God has just told him. Well, God's going to bring him to that faith and trust. So why did Zechariah doubt? He's been praying for a child many times over for years. And this very day, he's prayed again. Faith is an important part of prayer, isn't it? The disciples, when Jesus was up the mountain with a small group of his disciples, the others were down there and they were met by a father whose child was demon-possessed and they tried to cast out the demon and they couldn't. And then Jesus comes and Jesus does and they come to Jesus quietly and say, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your little faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed and say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. And that's a lesson that Jesus repeats. Later in Matthew 21, he's going out the city. And he sees a fig tree by the wayside, and it's only leaves, no figs on it. And he curses it. May no fruit come from you ever again. And the disciples saw that the tree had withered. And they said, how did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what's been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Sometimes, though, we're like Zechariah. We pray and we bring the right words, but deep down, we just think it's not going to happen. Zechariah prayed, but he didn't really believe that God could do what he was asking, even when the angel told him that God was going to do it. He doubted. And Zechariah not only prayed, he had the word of God. He knew the promises of God. And the angel had reminded Zechariah of these promises. You have a look at verse 16. He's told him that many will, that uh, the child to be born, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now, Zechariah knew his Bible. He knew that these words came from the prophet Malachi. Malachi 4 verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. And the hearts of children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with decree of utter destruction. Zechariah knew that promise. They were waiting for the Messiah the promise was that before the Messiah came, there would come this one who had an Elijah-like ministry. And Gabriel has told Zechariah, his son will be that man. God has given us many promises in the Bible. 
We need to be careful how promises apply. Proverbs are not promises. Remember one friend used to be very confused over the train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he won't depart from it. Until we said to her, you know, that's not a promise. That's a principle. It's a general truth. But it doesn't guarantee that every child brought up in that way, that that will be true of them. Proverbs are not promises, but they're giving us directions, wise advice as to how we are to live. And you remember Paul praying for that thorn in his flesh to be removed. Three times he prayed. And Paul was a man of great faith, wasn't he? He believed God could do it, but that wasn't God's will. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, he was told. Zechariah is a priest. He knows the word of God. He knows that the promises of God are to be believed and relied upon. And God has promised through Malachi and others that there would come this one to prepare the way for the Messiah. And yet he's struggling to believe what God has just said to him, though he has the word of God. I wondered if Zechariah was perhaps used to the way things were. It's been 450 years since the prophet Malachi. It's like us going back into the times of the English Civil War, even further back to the reign of Edward VI, uh, the son of uh, Henry VIII, the time of the Tudors. Going right back to then. That was when the, the last prophecies, prophecies were given and they'd waited decade after decade, century after century. And maybe Zechariah got used to the way things are. It's one of the things that uh, I struggle with at times. Perhaps you do. We get used to things, don't we? And we get used to seeing them and knowing they're like that and we get to accept that. And even if we're praying for things to change, we still, a large part of us is just used to things. And I think Zechariah was struggling with that. But God was telling him the time had come. It was going to be different. God was going to do that work. The Messiah was coming. But he struggled to believe it. But perhaps the most serious uh, of his failures was the Messiah was coming. He had been told, verse 17, that his son was to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Christmas was coming. The promised Messiah would soon follow on the birth of John. And Luke tells us about that next. He takes us to Mary, to the news that she is to be the mother of this child, the one who would be God and yet man. And she asks her question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? But unlike Zechariah, she's not doubting the word of God. Rather, she's asking a very sensible question. If she's to have a child, yet she's not married, she's a virgin, how can that be? And Zechariah gives her an answer. 
Verse 32, it's there. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will be no end. And how is it that she will have a child? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Mary believes what the angel has told her. The challenge comes to us as Christmas approaches. Do we believe what the angel said to Mary? Do we believe that Mary's child is indeed God come here? God who's fully man and yet fully God with us. Do we believe in the virgin birth? That he was conceived without a man. A hundred years ago, a teaching began to sweep through the churches where there were those who just no longer believed in the virgin birth. And you'll find that still today. It's just spread. People will say Jesus was a great man, a great teacher. Maybe even the spirit of God had come into this man But virgin birth, no. And yet Luke is quite clear, as was Isaiah who prophesied this, that the virgin birth really happened. And the challenge comes to us. Will we be like Mary and believe that and continue and give thanks to God for that wonderful miracle when God became man and lived among us? Who is Jesus then? The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who was with God and is God. Not a man possessed by God, not a man pretending to be, not a God pretending to be man, but fully God and fully man. Only he can save. Only he can take our place, bearing our sin and suffering for us. And that's why the virgin birth really matters. Because it's his blood that was shed on the cross. The blood of one who is God and man. As man, he can take our place. As God, his sacrifice atones for our sin. Well, Mary believes she's blessed. Zechariah doubted. And he struck dumb. So let's finally look at from doubt to faith. What did God do? Well, here's a reason to be glad and thankful. The angel didn't just say, well, okay, you'll find out it's going to be true and go off. But the angel struck Zechariah dumb. The angel carrying out the will of God. That was what God wanted. And Zechariah then didn't have the joy that the angel had spoken of. If you look at verse 14, he said, You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Zechariah had this tremendous news. His son was going to be the one to prepare the way for the Messiah. And now he couldn't tell anyone. When he came out, he tried to make signs, didn't he? But 
They couldn't understand. They knew he'd seen a vision. But he couldn't share with them this good news. Somehow he must have communicated something of this to Elizabeth because she seems to be more aware of this when Mary comes to be with her. But for Zechariah, he couldn't say a word. Nine months and a little more. Just think of that, not being able to speak for nine months. When we doubt God's word, we lose the joy that God gives us. Should have been filled with joy, sharing that news with the believers waiting outside, going home and sharing it with his family. But he couldn't speak. So he had a lot of time to think about it. James warns us, doesn't he? Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know we who teach will be judged more greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. Zechariah was a teacher of the word of God. He was a priest. That's why God is, is dealing with him in this way. Struck dumb. Very frustrating. Until his wife gives birth. But even then, he still can't speak. Because a number of days pass. And it's only when they come to dedicate, to name the child, that he finally says he is called John. What's God doing in his life? The writer to the Hebrews explains, taking from Proverbs, You've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Do not be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. That's what is happening to Zechariah in this time. He's under God's discipline because God loves him. And God is not going to leave Zechariah as a man who doubts the word of God. God is going to teach him to trust his word. And it's quite a tough lesson, isn't it? All these months of not being able to speak. But God will do whatever it takes for us to continue growing in our Christian lives. God won't leave us. He doesn't wash his hands of us and say, well, you're not really a very good Christian, so I'll just forget about you. And I'll concentrate on someone else who seems to have better prospects. No, God loves his children. And he deals with us to take whatever it takes for us to be a people who will continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. And this is what it took for Zechariah. How do we know when we're being disciplined? When bad things happen in our lives, are we to think God is disciplining us? Well, not always, no. Because as Christians, we may suffer many different things for lots of different reasons. How do we know when it's a discipline, though? I think the answer is, the real question is, sin. What we're really asking is, how do I know if I have sinned? If we've sinned, 
And there's that on our minds and hearts, a sin that we know we have done and we've not repented of, and we're experiencing the Lord's discipline. That's discipline. That's not just a trial of life that God has brought to us for no, for, for no fault of ours in that sense. Well, he sinned because he doubted the word of God. And he was one who taught the word of God. So he's being disciplined. But God training him. And we read, didn't we, of how uh, time came for Elizabeth. She says it's John. And now he too says it's John. And I just want in closing, if you just turn in chapter one, I want you to see the fruits of God's discipline. For we find in verse, in those end of that chapter, this lovely prophecy of Zechariah. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now he's speaking again. But look what he's doing. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. You see where he's beginning? With God. What was he doing when he doubted? The angel's words, he was looking at himself. How can this be? I'm old. But now he's looking at God. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He's visited, redeemed his people, raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Not talking about his son, John. John was of the the priesthood line, Aaron's line, Levi. But... He's talking of a Messiah, the one who's coming of David's line. That's where he's beginning now, because his eyes are upon God and what God is doing in sending Jesus. And he's lightning as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, as God had promised and said, so God is now doing. He believes God's word And he goes on and talks of the mercy and the uh, covenant with Abraham. And uh, I'll leave you to read through that as our time has gone. And he goes right the way down until verse 76, when now he turns to his own child. You, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And they lovely words. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ does for every child of God. And if you're not yet a child of God, let me urge you to turn to the Lord, that you may know the peace that Zacharias speaks here, that you may know peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. At this point, Zechariah leaves the stage. Luke tells us no more about him. But he does tell us that his son grew up and became the man we know as John the Baptist. And John quotes those prophets, and I think it's a reasonable assumption that Zechariah had lived to teach his son the word of God. And John ministers just as the prophets had foretold. 
Don't be uncertain in your faith. Don't settle for living with doubts. Don't, because that'll make you half-hearted. If you harbor doubts, you'll be half-hearted. And God doesn't want us to be half-hearted. God has given us his word. And the doubts that we have, we may bring to his word. And there he answers our doubts. As he answered Zechariah. Because God has spoken and given us all we need if we will but take hold of his words and trust in him that he will do what he says. John prepared the way for Jesus. He is the savior that we all need. For Lord, we are to follow and obey. Amen.